The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains mature content and language and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Thanks for your understanding. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the howl. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the howl. Greetings, beloved Zoo Nation. And welcome to this optimism-heavy episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm your co-host and unrepentant old hippie, Fausti. And I'm Mr. Toggle Rat. We'll be your guides to this episode's selection of uplifting adventures. <laughs> and I gotta say, wow, after everything that's happened in the past month, it does feel good to pivot towards the positive side of things in balance with the harder work we've been doing in the meanwhile. Indeed it does. Speaking from the seas of Zooish podcasts, our colleagues over at the Zoo Troop podcast certainly ripped us a new one in their sharp but not entirely invalid critique of our last two episodes. They not only took a hard swipe at the methodology with which we approached our animal torture expose, but also made a rather withering point that my fake voice has not improved over the last couple of episodes. And that's completely true. I've really been working on trying to capture the essence of my normal, everyday, stallion-esque voice. And well, the truth is that I've been so sick lately that it's hard to really bring the depth of that equine charisma to this fake voice I use on the podcast. So yes, it's an embarrassment. I get that. I'd like to make it less, uh, just not so anything amazing on the show here, but even the best technology can't make my fake voice awesome. I get it. And I'm sorry for it. Hell, backed into a corner. I'm just going to blame cancer and take the easy way out. <laughs> and I've been trying. Really, I have. But any tweaking on my part seems to result in feedback and bruised eardrums. Trust me, if you think he sounds bad now, you don't want to hear the alternative. We could bring down an airplane with the kind of bizarre radio waves emitted by this voice modulator. So, for now, we'll all have to just deal with Fauci's shitty fake voice. So listening, try to imagine his mellifluous, commanding, charismatic, everyday voice in place of this... this thing we've had to use. If we could only let him speak as he normally does, so much better. That aside, and in response to some of the critique we've received from other podcasts, we'd like to use this episode to explore the vast terrain of positive, forward-looking, constructive things zoos are doing, and to acknowledge the collective embrace of our zoo culture as we all continue exploring the boundaries of what it means to be a zoo in 2019. To that end, let's start with a really awesome email we received a couple weeks back from an Anonymous businessman. Anonymous writes, I'd just like to say a little thanks for saying the things most won't say, especially depending on their position. I run two hardware organizations, and one deals with highly advanced military-grade weaponry and aircraft, and even in the most unlikely profession, zoophiles and zoo allies still exist there, including me. Love knows no bounds, and all I've ever wanted is for people to love whoever they want and be happy, but being in such a public position like this has really hindered my ability to do that without risking a lot. Good luck on your endeavors. I really do want to say thank you for reaching out to us, Anonymous because your letter does remind all our listeners that zoo allies are all around us, often in the most unexpected places. One wonderful outcome of launching our little podcast has been the opportunity to touch noses with a much wider, more diverse, more broadly positioned slice of the zoo universe than we normally see in, for example, the micro universe of zoo Twitter or whatever zoo forum is au courant this month. Like Anonymous, I have been an entrepreneur early in my life, and I know how bigotry and hate can reach out to damage one's effectiveness solely on the basis of a zooey sexual orientation. Many of us choose to remain quiet and closeted, knowing the real cost of pushing forward more openly. And nobody needs to explain that to me, of all people. Mm. Having been through those fires of hell for years, stretching into decades, the cost is more real to me than most anyone else hearing this episode. At the same time, walking those hellish roads and surviving the experience has provided me with the somewhat unique privilege of speaking firsthand about life as a zoo, and to a degree about our community and its moral and ethical standards, to a, a vastly broader audience than would otherwise be possible. As always, I emphasize I'm a spokesman for or a leader of no community, most of all the raucous and inherently unstructured global community of zoos, rather I'm just one zoo with all my own personal goods and bads, engaging with issues all zoos face, 
and issues most all zoos discuss amongst ourselves in less public venues than this podcast. It's healthy to have some of our otherwise private world open to a wider public visibility. Part of having pride in oneself and one's community inherently includes a comfort in standing behind that identity and that group participation out in the open where it counts. Those ashamed of themselves and who they are do hide from public view as a matter of course. Those, like zoos, proud of our positive role in the world and in our personal lives, naturally embrace public engagement with who we are whenever possible. There is a sort of perception among many zoos that the best course of action is to lie low, be quiet, and just try not to be noticed. And that makes sense when you're trying to escape persecution. The reality of anti-zoo violence and bigotry is something that's not just swept away with bluster and Twitter courage. Unfortunately, the real world has real consequences and real hatred that can result in terrible violence and hurt being done to victims of that bigotry. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Exposure is the solution. Showing people who we actually are instead of letting them make up monster stories is the only true path to acceptance. And let's be frank, the rest of the world could stand to be reminded that animals aren't lower beings, that they aren't subhuman, that treating them with the same basic respect humans give each other should be the norm. And that starts with us as humans who love animals a bit more deeply than the average Joe. And that's the core tenet of this podcast. It may be a zooier than now cliche to soapbox on the importance of zooish perspectives and zooish embrace of shared life on our planet, but then again, we're a zooier than now podcast, so a bit of the old zooier sermonizing isn't exactly out of character. Not everyone is in a position to publicly make these sorts of frank, honest declarations, and that's something we do respect here on Zooier Than Thou. We don't want to be the authoritative zoo voice on any topic or issue. That's not a role and not an authority we'd ever claim. Instead, what we're working to do is to help get the ball rolling, just like the hundreds of podcasts that came before us. <laughs> Our hope is we can inspire a hundred more podcasters to take up the mantle and do a hundred times better than we're doing it here. Sharing life in zoo society, from the everyday to the more exotic and intense, like we've been doing in the past few episodes, <laughs> is healthy for all of us. It reminds us as zoos that we're an inherent and entirely constructive part of the larger human social world. It also helps non-zoos to get a better feel for who we actually are in real life, simply as zoos being zoos. The truth matters, and reality always wins out in the end. Bizarre efforts to paint zoos as evil, violent, abusive monsters might well get short-term traction by pandering to people's worst expectations and to their desire to find a group to hate. That's certainly happened in the past 20 years or so. But despite that, the actual objective fact of who we zoos actually are, how we actually live, what actually animates our relationships and our lives as zoos, that reality does inevitably overshadow the horrifying straw man constructs of the anti-zoo bigots. It takes time, and meanwhile so much suffering results from the bigotry those false stereotypes set loose. Far worse, all that energy poured into anti-zoo crusades and into murdering the families of zoos, that energy could have been spent actually working to help actual non-humans be mm -hmm. happier, healthier, and mm -hmm. free from real abuse and real exploitation. Nowhere has that gap of senseless anti-zoo violence and the reality of unaddressed horrific acts of animal torture been more clear than in the recent publication and public exposure of the infamous animal torture leaks we've been covering all this past month. Nowhere can we see more clearly the difference between imaginary abuse by caring, respectful, compassionate zoos with their partners, and the reality of truly horrific, unspeakable, intentional violence and pain inflicted on non-humans by dysfunctional animal torturers. Mm. That it has been zoos leading the charge against these dangerous, manipulative, vicious torturers could not speak more clearly to where zoos stand on the issue of genuine abuse of non-humans. Nobody, truly nobody, is more zealous in pursuing those who hurt non-humans than zoos are. As zoos, we all know this. The non-zoo world sadly often has no idea how vast that gap is between us and the true abusers. That is beginning to change, though it's tragic that what has opened some of those doors is the horrific reality of the torture that my fellow zoos have hunted down and exposed in these past months. Right. And that's going to take one hell of a zooier than thou attitude, but I have to say, that kind of passion and intensity when it comes to pursuing those who target non-humans for victimization and abuse is a broadly common trait among zoos I know and love. 
stay defiant, Anonymous, and keep loving with everything you've got. We've actually gotten a few more awesome emails from the community, but we're going to save some of the longer ones for our New Moon episode so we can really give them the time and attention they reserve without bloating our core program further. <laughs> so stay tuned. If you haven't heard your email yet, we haven't forgotten about you. Also, some folks who email do request their comments remain private, and we always respect that. Know, listeners who have shared such emails with us, that your wisdom and contributed knowledge form part of all we do thereafter here at the podcast. If anything, the scaffold on which episodes are built often is those non-public emails that help us see the forest for the trees and to focus on what's really top of mind in the zoo community right now. Coming up, we'll be talking to the organizer of Zoo Pride Day, ZT Horse, and we'll be exploring ways in which we can open bottlenecks in expressing our best zoo selves. We are, as individuals and as a community, who we choose to be and who our actions show us to be. That means it's up to us to craft our best selves and to support those best sides of who we are, to feed the good wolf in every way we can. We see it as a core objective of the podcast, supporting our best zoo selves. And this episode digs into that in some ways such words become actions and through actions, change the world for the better. Stay tuned for more Zooier Than Thou, right after this. This week's podcast is brought to you by Zed's Zooey Bed and Breakfast, Canine, Equine, Lupine, Bovine, all the eyes are welcome at Zed's. For a limited time, fifth cut hay on hand for that special four-hooved paramour. And by, humans are from Mars, everyone else actually lives here on Earth. The new book by Annie Vine, available at finer Zooey bookstores everywhere in hardcover now. And finally, Looney Tunes. Because you know what, fuck you Disney. At least Warner Brothers have the good sense not to put animals in clothes most of the time. This is John. John Doolittle? Uh, yes, this is he. <laughs> I know all about you, John. I know you're a filthy little secret. Oh, yeah? What, do you think this is a joke? I don't, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what you're getting at. Alright, listen up, Johnny boy. I've got proof of your unholy acts in the barnyard. If you don't want dear old mom and dad to get one of your disgusting habits, you're gonna have to pay up. You're officially my bitch now. Ah, I see. That's uh, certainly very serious. So just to be clear, you're saying that if I don't pay you a certain amount of money, you're going to tell my parents about my sexuality. Is that right? You're damn right. How much do you think your silence is worth? Ten grand, not a cent less. All right, just a moment. (coughs) Hello, Ma? Oh, John, it's so nice to hear from you. What the hell is this? Excuse me? Uh, Ma, this gentleman has a $10,000 secret to tell you. What gentleman? Is everything all right, John? Yeah, no worries, Mom. Go ahead, sir. Uh, well, uh... I don't know how to tell you this, ma'am, but your son is sick. Oh my god, John! What's wrong? I have evidence that your son has been involved in illicit activities with a number of animals. Illicit activities? He's trying to say I've been in physical relationships with animals, Mom. Jesus Christ, John, are you kidding me? Hello? Talk to your son. He thought it would be funny to call us and tell us that he has sex with animals. Uh, I beg your pardon? Hi, Bob. John, did you just call to tell your mother that you have sex with animals? Something like that. This other gentleman on the line thought you should know. Someone else is on the line? I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Mr. Doolittle. Your son has a problem and needs help. You need help? John, you know you can ask me for advice anytime you want. You know, I've pleasured a mare or two in my time. Jesus, Pa, seriously? You know, I used to spend summers in high school on my uncle's farm, 
and one day Duchess gave me a wink while I was doing chores, and I couldn't resist. Uh, just please stop. Greg, there's another person on the phone. What the fuck is wrong with you people? We're all adults here. If our son is reaching out to us for advice, we should be able to speak candidly. Pa, I, I really don't want advice about sex. Christ, I don't ever want to think about you having sex again. You're all fucking sick. Can't fucking believe this. What the heck was that guy's problem? He wanted $10,000 to keep my sex life from you guys. He what? What did he think? You were just going to give him $10,000? That's ridiculous. You know we love you no matter what, son. I know, Pa. I love you too. I expect a call soon. And no more of this funny business about animals. Keep that to yourself. Of course, Ma. Love you. The nerve. Some people have no home training. Remember, folks, an extortionist only has as much power over you as you allow them to have. If you ever have to deal with blackmail, keep these important tips in mind. The way you react to the threat will determine the price tag. If you can convince an extortionist that his threat doesn't worry you, you can tip the odds in your favor. In fact, in many cases, you can neutralize the threat then and there. On the other hand, if you plead and beg, you raise the price of the threat and empower your extortionist. Make sure to be kind to your attacker. Insulting them could escalate the situation. If your attacker is being indirect, ask them to clarify. Make them voice the threat fully. Don't allow them to skirt the issue. If they're going to be a scumbag, make them own the deed. Never pay an extortionist or satisfy the terms that are set for their silence. Eventually, they will be back for more, and nine times out of ten, they're going to disclose the harmful information anyway. One of the most radical things you can do is disclose the harmful information yourself. It might seem painful, but consider, who do you want to tell your story? You or a malicious actor? Hopefully, you'll never be in the position to make this difficult decision. But if you are, be prepared to do what you need to do. Above all, don't let anyone keep you up at night and take advantage of your privacy. You hold the power. Never forget that. Welcome back, fellow zoos. We have a very special guest joining us today. I'd like to introduce the founder of Zoo Pride Day and the head administrator of the Zooville Forums, ZT Horse. Say hi, ZT. Hi, ZT. Oh my God. Hello, everyone. Glad you and Fausti could have me here. <laughs> pleasure to have you. The pleasure is all on this side of the table. I heard the Diamond in the Rough podcast online generally keep up with the news, and this one stuck out to me. I had to contact you both. We're honored that we were able to stand out from the crowd. Thank you. <laughs> Now, when we approach interviews, we're looking to better understand our guests and the work they do. Sometimes that does mean we're going to dig into the loose edges just a bit, as it were, ask some tough questions, look to understand more than just the surface positions. Certainly, we mean no disrespect in that, and we hope that the dialogue can be friendly and also incisive. Indeed. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't be too hard on you. <laughs> so, there's a lot of stuff I really want to get to, but I think the best place to start is Zooville. Zooville, for our listeners who are unfamiliar, is currently the most high-profile, high-traffic zoophile forum on the web. It has quickly risen to that position after the much-celebrated self-immolation of that despised cancer on the internet beast forum. Given that short background, how did Zooville come into being? Uh, that's going to be a little long. Well, longer is always better. Oh my God. Zooville collaboration started the day the announcement BF was going dark. Like scattered sheep, a bunch of the good zoophiles, who've come to hate the tyrants that were running BF, started offloading the community into the ARC. That is, Telegram, Discord, etc., etc. From there, we gathered the best technical zoos whom could arrange the setup of a new site. We spent a lot of hours late sweating over a while to do what BF did, server-side, in as little as two months. I was in the social community team, getting emails, contacts, and information before BF went dark. There was a total of 10 dedicated zoos whom helped band together to form the needed zoo power to get a new forum built. On top of this, we worked in secret and didn't announce the site until Beast Forum was dead. Were the admins at Beast Forum aware this was going on? And if so, what was their reaction? Absolutely not. I would think they'd respond quite negatively if they had been aware. It is just how they tended to act in general. We couldn't have gotten the good zoos out of there if we didn't work in secret. That would be a stressful period. 
working long hours and always under the risk that Beast Forum would get wind and do whatever dumb retaliation they'd think of. It was tough, but like giving birth, once the labor pain is gone, the new life has a fresh start. A clean one, Fausti. By all appearances, your team succeeded in exactly what you'd hoped to do. You have my congratulations for that. Having built many a forum myself with teams, I know it's far from a trivial effort. All right. Now, I've looked into the forum, and we've had several people write in about Zooville, and one of the consistent concerns is the site turning into another beast forum. Now, having browsed the forum a bit myself, I can't say that concern is entirely unfounded. Why do you think that perception exists, and what do you think are the key differences that can give confidence in Zooville taking a decidedly less destructive, parasitical, unhealthy path than Beast Forum infamously did? Great question, Toggle. Being in the forefront, it's inevitable that what I call fetishists will come to the scene. Uh, as in non-zoophiles that are into sex with animals? Not even that, Toggle. These types are a meme. They just want to see a woman banging anything. Hmm. Fetishes, lurkers. These are degradation obsessives, yes? Indeed, Fausti. Hmm. This is the market BFI had always targeted. Hans, the unsettling Dutchman who owns all those related animal porn video companies, absolutely found a template of, quote, woman being degraded by interaction with animal, unquote, and pumped out many such films, including the Brazilian ones. There is apparently a market of non-zoos who are attracted to that. It's a problem for zoos as they do tend to have an outsized impact in some areas of overlap. But with the open nature of the site, these types will arrive. What we've tried to do very differently from Beast Forum is that we have set rules to curb abusive content and excessive fetishistic content. We've kept the site free of scat and other extremes. Oh, well, I don't know what you have against Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> don't give me that, you dog monger. <laughs> they just keep it straight jazz. There's none of that weirdo avant-garde stuff. We didn't <laughs> care for the fact that she was a huge Beast Forum VIP <laughs> scat member. Tons of audio <laughs> uploads, and it was just pure bloody scat. <laughs> it really didn't mean a thing, did it? Unless it's got that swing. Nope. scat a de ba ba boob de boo Nice. Look at that. Nice. Look at that. Yeah. Did good. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> but but back to the fetishists. Yes. Uh, back to legit issues. Mixed in that crowd, there are some curious about bestiality, some who want to try it, some who want their questions answered. And that was all the real meat of the good parts of Beast Forum. It was information given by the good zoos. To support this, we've created articles and blog sections which are non-pornographic, dedicated, and front page to series zoo discussion. Excellent. We do have some questions targeting that coming up later. The Zooville mod team feels the information and conversation about zoos should be open to all. This means we have to take the good, the bad, and the ugly. I have a follow-on question that is long and, even for me, pretty aggressive. Are you comfortable with me dropping it into the interview? It is really my last word and my central beast forum related question and i'd prefer to just get through it so we can move on absolutely so with regards to becoming just another facsimile of beast forum what do you think sets you apart from beast forum i know we're sort of hitting this issue hard but this is the core question not only of the two of us personally but of absolutely every listener who has written in and brought up this topic most everyone in the community seems intensely motivated not only to find non-beast forum opportunities to congregate and collaborate but more than that, to actively nip in the bud anything that seems to be steering down that dark path. We've all felt the burn from Beast Forum turning itself into a self-appointed linchpin of interspecies internet dialogue, and I don't think there's any willingness to simply sit back and hope for the best if it seems like a forum is starting down that road again. We've all learned a hard lesson from Beast Forum's ugly path through the past 20 years of online life, and many of us aren't just sitting back to allow another Beast Forum or something worse to get ahead of steam whilst we do nothing. So as confrontational as this seems, what can you do to really lessen the concerns of the community on that question? Specifically, having received a temporary domain redirect from beastforum.com for a considerable period of time, can you say that Zooville is truly and fully separate and distinct from Beast Forum and everyone involved as administrators with that blight on our world? Uh, it, this is not intended to be disrespectful, but rather to clear the air for listeners so it's addressed face first and put to rest thereafter, I hope. I'll be glad to answer that. None of the mod team were ever associated with the Beast Farm administration, nor were they volunteers in any way with Beast Farm moderation. 
This is very good to know. First off, if there is something that corrupts, it's money. Money is power, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Correct, Fausti? I would absolutely not disagree with this statement based on my own experiences. Beastworm's entanglement with for-profit animal porn ventures seems to have set a rot right at the center of the whole thing. I would set as the polar opposite a funding model like that employed by Blue Light successfully for decades. A nonprofit organization with an elected board and with tangible funding goals and transparent public reporting of funds and use of funds. The first thing we decided to do was make our funding transparent. We've disclosed all operating costs, the mod team is all volunteer, and we've posted our public BTC address in which anyone with a block explorer can audit Zuville's funds. Uh, so in layman's terms for rats who don't know what the fuck that means, basically, anyone who wants to can see where the money's coming from and going to, right? Yes, Toggle. It's 100% auditable. Uh, does the site currently self-fund from inbound donations, or are there separate funding sources? The mod team self-funded the initial startup phase and is currently still funding it. The donations at this time amount to about $600. With regards to the beastforum.com redirect, how did that come to pass, and what can you say to lessen concerns of our listeners that it implies a much closer connection between Zooville and Beast Forum than would otherwise be acknowledged? We do not know. There were several competing forums after Beast Forum's death, and we are not alone. However, with my social team, we also reached out to other forum creators to see if it was more viable to make our own forum or direct the zoos to an already made site. Are there plans to create tiered access that requires payment from members to access certain sections or materials? Absolutely not. If it was within your control and you could go back in time, would you want to have that redirect occur or would you have preferred that it didn't happen? It makes no difference to me. All the zoos we cared about joined Zooville because it was managed by zoos whom they knew and trusted, a team they also knew in real life for some. Anyone else who wanted to join us is just extra. Fair enough. I believe the next question is Toggles. Yes, uh, all right. I just have one more question along these lines. And again, I want to ask it because, like we said, everyone who's contacted us and mentioned Zooville have, without fail, mentioned this concern. What do you think you guys at the site can do to address the concerns people have and prevent yourselves from falling into the same dark pitfalls that Beast Forum found themselves in? I mean, in specific terms. Are there things your admin team is doing and have done to present even a drift in that direction, whether it would be intentional or not? Are, are there things about the Beast Forum lesson that directly motivate how you run the site and what you know from that lesson in terms of how things can go wrong if not run effectively and with positive community engagement? Sure. After handling the funding portion, we separated our power in a sense by linking to other large forums and zoo sites. Forum Zoon is a German zoo forum with 10,000 members. Not affiliated with us in any way, but they have an English section. Equiboru is a Boru site run by a very good zoo based out of Russia. Also, we had beasttracker.net also share links, so we also gave users a way out if Zooville ever became tyrannical. If a member chooses to leave Zooville or even is banned, are they able to remove or delete their content from the site afterwards? Oh yes, absolutely. Ah, uh, yes, see, that's a big difference from Beastform and its affiliated sites. We understand that the user's content is their intellectual property. They have the right to do what they will with it. We give them so much freedom, they can choose to add a crypto address to their works. That feels to me to be an important checkpoint against the sort of abusive things Beast Forum so often did with the content of members, often after they had left and cut all ties with the site. Mm -hmm. Now, for our listeners at home, I do have to say that I brought a concern to staff over a post I saw in which someone passingly made reference to doing sexual activity that was clearly abusive, and the mods responded swiftly with disciplinary action. So this is a step in the right direction, and definitely not a stance Beast Forum made in the past. Yes, our report button works. And believe me, our mod team keeps the shit off of Zooville's streets. Although I haven't personally had time to dive into the forum side of things like Toggle did, this is no decision on my part to set a low priority on that task, but rather really does reflect my health limits, including a recent five-day stay in hospital due to cancer side effects. Uh, despite that, I did take uh, the chance to spend time here and there in the private Telegram chat for Zooville members. Overall, I, I really have enjoyed that venue, and it's been fun to watch the discussions wax and wane. From time to time, someone brings up something in which I'm a frontline participant, 
always a somewhat uncomfortable or awkward experience. But in this case, when I've stepped in and clarified my role, discussions have been engaged and vibrant, overall healthy at a baseline level. Insofar as that chat reflects the evolving ethos and culture of Zooville itself, it makes me feel optimistic about the overall tone of dialogue and manner in which the channel is managed and overseen. Do you think the chat is a good reflection of Zooville more broadly? And if so, what do you think is the key to building that kind of constructive, meaningful dialogue amongst zoos? The chat is managed by Doglover101 on Zooville. I'm not actively involved deeply with that section. However, it was very carefully considered, and we chose a platform that allows encryption to protect our users. But I'd like to add that Zooville is a very free speech arena. Users have and did rail on the mod team publicly, and we did not ban. Instead, we debated and conversed our critics. That's certainly vastly different from Beast Forum. Uh, just to jump in here, uh, we actually meant the Telegram chat. Oh, our wonderful little Telegram chat. Toggle, that chat is a relic of the initial gathering of the Exodus from Beast Forum. A happy relic indeed. It is closed off now, and I kept it. It's a nice little space to kick up my hooves after a long day at Zooville. Uh, I gotta say, I really like that space. Now that's the kind of microcosm I'd want to exist in a zoo community. Yes, Toggle, and Zooville has an arrangement for that. In the Groups tab, we allow groups of zoos to find their safe spaces. We understand that being zoo is complex. Questions of politics, religion, and morality come up, and these discussions need safe spaces. As you recall, such topics were banned on Beast Forum. <laughs> of all the things to be banned, please post your chicken fucking video in 12 20 megabyte chunks, but refrain from talking about Buddhism. I actually lost track of the banned space on Beast Forum years ago. It seemed arbitrary and entirely at the whim of whatever admin was in charge at the time, to be honest. Those deep, I would even say spiritual discussions, just couldn't happen on Beast Forum. Those discussions did not generate revenue for Beaker and his co-owners of the important side of things. Ugh. We want that sort of discussion for the zoo community. You know, I, I, I think there really is a spiritual center to our community that certainly gets neglected in a space like Beast Forum. Those conversations have to happen, Toggle. Beast Forum set us back 20 years on that important self-actualization. If we cannot come to grips and moral terms with ourselves, we are divided. Divided, we fall. A Beast Forum served to strip almost all of the positive sides of the zoo experience from the discussions there, and left behind far too often the negative and damaged side of things, which, as we saw in situations like that of Kiro, could and did result in horrible outcomes that left damage behind for years and years afterwards. Uh, the uh. tone and cultural energy of a forum absolutely starts with the leadership team, and without that, they devolve into cesspools of drama and destructive intent. Okay, so I don't, I don't want to think about what happened to Kiro right now. Let's try to keep this positive. Keep the Kiro to zero. Okay. <laughs> you could write for the podcast with lines like that. Now, going back to something from before, I noticed that you place a lot of emphasis on the blogging and article section of the site. And I've noticed that you post articles quite frequently yourself. So why do you feel that these sections are so important? Emphasis on reaching out to academics, researchers, philosophers, and anyone from a non-zoo perspective. These people are the ones we have to reach to get anywhere with our cause and strife. So these articles are a place where researchers can get a glimpse into our world. Articles, yes. It, it is all non-zoo written publications, studies, documentaries, and information that gives a non-zoo an alternative perspective of our lifestyle in hopes that they can change their prejudices that they hold. There is a new generation of legitimate researchers, unlike Sendler, the fraud, right. who are taking a fresh look at us, more in line with Dr. Maletsky's work, and more aware of the existence of false stereotypes that have no foundation in our social reality. That is key, but also, and I would say more importantly, is the philosophical defenders of zoo that write in our defense. Winning minds changes hearts. These do remain fairly thin on the ground thus far, yes? They are growing in number, if you recall things like Dearest Pet. Yes, Decker's opened many doors. We need more of that. I, of course, see an important role for journalistic coverage of zoo issues that is fact-based and objective. My own dedication to that kind of work likely biases my view of how important that is. That's why articles on Zooville exist. It is a special place for that. Now, blogs. Blogs are an offshoot of articles being written by zoos and for reaching that same academic audience. Ah, so we have the articles for that objective perspective and then blogs for the more personal perspective. You know, I, th I think that's an important mix because you can't really understand us without listening to us. Oh, I wanted to point out one last thing. 
Blogs are taken so seriously, a single inappropriate blog post or creation is awarded with infractions or a temporary 10-day ban for the user to meditate on the seriousness of that section. It is not for porn. That sounds like a place where good things have the opportunity to happen. It's not something I've seen as a focus of prior zoo forums, to be honest. You had another question about the article section, Fausty? I think I've covered my questions regarding the blog section, to be honest. All right, then. I think we've spent plenty of time talking about the forum. Let's jump to the topic I'm really excited to cover. Can you tell us how Zoo Pride Day came into being? Ah, Zoo Pride. A fathom of an idea in the mind of zoos everywhere. An idea lost without a home. But it hit not just me, because I will admit it wasn't my idea. A very close zoo friend told me in our chat that he wished he could have a day where he can celebrate his self-acceptance. Where not just him, but all zoos can put aside their differences and celebrate the love our animal mates give us. I was moved. I felt my heart warm and I smile at the idea. Because it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. It was homegrown. I love that. And your vision over time, how do you see Zoo Pride Day evolving into a part of an overall community focus on positivity and constructive engagement? Where do you think that goes as more folks see it and choose to actively support it? And finally, how do you see that interacting with a larger social melee surrounding anti-zoo bigotry, cross-species activism, and efforts to move beyond hate-based characters of the zoo community in the larger social world? Fausty, how hard is it to kill an idea? Oh, I had an idea for a Game of Thrones skit called Game of Bones, but Fausty shut it down and that was the death of a terrible idea. That was not even an idea, that one. It was more of a bad joke manifesting as a thinly laid concept. (laughs) But really, this is a complex question. Ideas can be killed, though mostly by killing everyone who carries them, which we hope is not the case in regards to any sort of formal zoo genocide. (laughs) But even then, history shows the written idea is still immortal. Ideas are what I'd say is the closest to immortality that we can get. Absolutely true. Even with censorship of the printed word, Samizdat has proved to be profoundly resilient when activists and dissidents have the courage to retain their conviction and to share with others. That's where this idea molded not into a pride event, not an event, Fausty, a holiday. It's a holiday, a celebration of an idea. The holiday idea is interesting and has semantic power beyond the typical event concept. A holiday where zoos in their own privacy can join together in thanking our animal mates and the love they have given us. Do you see a public face to this in some instances, or is this purely a private holiday? Think about this historically, even religiously. There have been holidays held in private by persecuted people because open celebration was death. But these people, they cling to that idea. That's absolutely true. The Jewish community, the Roma, early Christian communities, frankly. Mm -hmm. When the time came, when the old powers died off, these holidays became public. That is the binding union that is missing for zoos, to put down the spear of country, politics, and religion. In seeing this more in spiritual terms, which I, for what it's worth, have always found both compelling and naturally a part of our own orientation as zoos, it definitely sets it apart from the LGBT historiography in which rights Mm -hmm. and community improvement have always been framed in purely secular, legalistic terms. Mm -hmm. This charts a divergent course forward for zoos, one, as you say, more aligned with historically persecuted groups cohering around religious community than anything else. Mm. It's a very deep love. It hurts me to my core there are divisions among us. Well, every community has divisions and a degree of discord. I'd argue that is part of any healthy culture although it can become extreme and tear that same culture apart. Right. We should be united in spirit, in the idea and love for our animals. For me personally, the bright line in terms of zoo-on-zoo conflict has always been the use of outing and the overt efforts to destroy opponents within the zoo community by exposing them to attack from bigoted non-zoos. That is never healthy, and when it happens, it corrodes any sense of cohesive zoo community in a way that is nearly fatal and very difficult to heal. That is such garbage, right? Yeah, I honestly can't stand that it's ever come down to that sort of heinous shit. But uh, overall, I have to say, ZT, that is one hell of a concept altogether. It kind of makes my original next question moot, but let me reframe it a bit. So 
On the forum page for the event, there are some small forum-related events happening. How can people who aren't affiliated with the forum participate? Anyone can participate, zoos and non-zoos alike. There is an art contest and a logo change contest like Google does. That's a great concept, actually, I think. Mm -hmm. On Pride Day and Week, the logo will be changed to a community artist who wins the contest. Naturally, the activist in me wants to see t-shirts, ball caps, pins, and so forth. (laughs) I myself actually do wear a Zeta lapel pin to many formal occasions. It's a small thing, likely rarely noticed, Mm -hmm. but it carries for me a sense of pride in myself and in our community that is both tangible and overt. (laughs) Make a America Zoo Again merch is a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> the old days of Zoo America. That's absolutely a line I played with over the winter. Make America Zoo Again. Blue baseball caps with that logo on them would be great. Well, I'd like to see the days where it's just a laughable offense and nothing more. Oh, yeah, right. I, I can understand that. Uh, I'm looking towards a future where it's not even offensive myself. ZT, I, I hope you'll keep an eye on evolving efforts led by zoos to root out some truly evil activities that victimize non-humans. I personally believe that such work is both vitally important standalone and that it does also clearly demarcate to non-zoo audiences who we are as a community, Mm. what matters to us, and how we choose to engage with those who do truly bad things to non-human individuals. Mm. Uh, it, It is to me a profound opportunity both to do right and in bluntly political terms, to be seen as doing right in a way that resonates with anyone who cares about non-humans. I have some comments to make to the non-zoo listeners on this subject. Please do. By all means. To those listening who are non-zoos, remember that predators like crowds to hide their evil intentions. With anti-bestiality laws in place, you are not aiding the zoo community to report the blatant sadists Mm. who like to hide in our crowd. These people are evil. We hate them just as you do, but they entangle themselves, lie, cheat, and blackmail good zoos to not speak up. Oh yeah, that has actually happened a lot. By keeping these archaic laws in place, you protect sadists. Those zoos won't report in afraid of their own persecution. This is absolutely a side effect of anti-zoo laws and it has resulted in many such situations going unreported for far too long. And not for a lack of moral obligation, certainly, as we've seen in this last month. No, not at all. In fact, we've seen many zoos come forward despite real concerns for their own safety and the safety of their loved ones because they simply could not continue to look the other way. They have fears, but they don't want to be doxxed out of persecution. And it's not just personal fears. Like People don't understand what happens to the animals zoos love when they're persecuted. This is accurate. And even after filtering out the sadists who are simply trying to sow confusion and prevent their own exposure, there have been in this past month many zoos who legitimately fear that any exposure of actual sadists will immediately morph into an anti-zoo jihad that merely targets healthy zoos and actually leaves the sadists untouched. This has indeed happened before, and it is not an empty concern, not at all. That is in fact exactly what happened last time in September. And the architects of those leaks actively knew they were making that happen, but uh, that's a, that's another story for last month. I understand many attacked you, Fausti, for the leaks, many whom were zoos. <laughs> Fausti has been a real asshole on Twitter, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> many of the attacks that have taken place from legitimate zoos are absolutely reflections of deep fear on their part. And as such, I am far more empathetic with the causes of that fear than I take those attacks at all personally. We're limited in what we can say right now regarding the publication of the leaks and the current status of that. What needs to be seen and understood is that these anti-zoo laws protect sadists. That issue is something that is being addressed in how this leak and the heavy response forthcoming is playing out. I just cannot speak to the details at this point for good reasons which I support. I can say that there is an opportunity here to turn over an entirely new page in the book of how good people who do care about non-humans but who are absolutely non-zoos, view zoos and our relation to genuine abuse of non-humans. I don't even like calling them zoo sadists because they are not zoo. Right, that's a fact, they are torturers. I had a zoo PM me and told me he was in tears seeing those leaks. Oh, they're fucking god awful. I tried to comb through them, but I couldn't do it. It's like battery acid on my heart. I, I am not at all ashamed to say that I have spent hours simply sitting on the sofa and crying as a result of working on those leaks. Just sobbing, moaning. They are so horrific, they do scar anyone who digs into them. This shit will completely ruin you. I'm, I'm like, I'm really not thinking about those leaks. I'll have trouble sleeping sometimes. Now, 
the good news is that this issue has moved on to vastly larger spaces and vastly more highly resourced activists working on this with us at this point. And that's the most I can say on that for now. Getting to that place, as Toggle knows, actually involved me breaking down in a certain phone call. Mm. And I think that breakdown opened the door to a kind of zoo, non-zoo cooperation on this that is perhaps unprecedented and that I truly hope opens the door to many such efforts together in the future. All right. So seriously, I, I just I really don't want to think about this right now. Let's let's get back to Zoo Pride Day. Yes. Back to Zoo Pride. Though for me, we as zoos have so much to be proud of in our exposure of those horrors thus far. This is part of being the best of ourselves to do Mm -hmm. that hard work and to do it as a community despite the scars and fears we all bring to such things. Mm -hmm. But on a lighter note, is there a reason you chose July 1st for the holiday? I'm assuming it's not to overlap with Canada Day, although (laughs) maybe I should just let you set out your choice rather than me putting my expectations foremost in the discussion. (laughs) July 1st was chosen as there are few normal animal holidays on that week. Hmm. Also, our lovely animal mates tend to be in their um, warmer periods. Mm. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh my fucking God. Lord help summer, us. Summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, is indeed a time when all of us mammals tend to be more at ease and relaxed, as we all appreciate the good weather and sunshine. <laughs> Nothing wrong in celebrating with some consensual interspecies loving. <laughs> Fair enough. Let me ask you a more personal question. Uh, uh, to you and in your own framing, what does it mean to be a zoophile? Uh, you bitch, you stole my question. That's actually true, though I'm not really a bitch, more of a pushy stallion. Uh. Ooh. You treat your animals as your own body. Ah, so with lots of fast food and soft drinks, right? (laughs) You did ask how I view being a zoo, which would be sans the trans fat. (laughs) Whole grains, lots of veggies. (laughs) You cherish, care, and love your body. Or you're supposed to, anyway. You should love your animal mate the same way. So what kind of things do you think it's important for zoophiles to do so that we can always be our best selves as zoos? Self-acceptance. Mm. Reflection on how that changes your entire life goals. Like, talk to most zoos. Their dreams? They are the salt of the earth, usually. A peaceful life on a slice of land, a little home with their mates. That's so very true. That's all they'd ever want. Live their days out in peace. Uh, so my dream of being a country music singer is misguided after all, is what you're saying? Not with that voice, Toggle. <laughs> Fuck you! You know, that's really less of a dream than, like, a weird, surreal fantasy. <laughs> Maybe a female second-string singer? <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I like the backup to the backup of Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? Or, or maybe like a postmodernist zooist country scene might just work in today's world. I mean, who the fuck knows? I don't think it's off brand to really, really love your horse. And there's lots of Zudar hits in some of those old country classics, to be honest. <laughs> well, ZT, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Listeners, if you're so inclined, feel free to take a look at zooville.org, check out the articles. And do join us in celebrating Zoo Pride Day upcoming on July 1st. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm actually still processing that backup to the backup of Beyonce <laughs> concept. It's, it's really deep. Oh, my God. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being here, ZT. And congratulations on the new forum. May it come to be all you hope and more. Danke. Ah, still more Zooier than now coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Ask Zooey, the authoritative program for mutually respective cross-species relationship advice. I'm your most famously fabulous host, Zooey. And I'm just a do-good rat who got lost in the studio lot one day and got pulled in to co-host the show. We're charged up and ready to answer those burning questions from our listeners at home. And from the heart, friends, just don't even hesitate to drop us a line through our Twitter account, at AskZooey. That's Z-O-O-E-Y through the at Zooier Than Thou Twitter, or using the all-too-apt anonymous submission form at zoo.wtf with the subject Ask Zooey. Submission can be a kind of freedom, and your submissions will jump right into the work that Zooey does. Don't be shy. We don't bite. Lately, we've gotten a nice steady uptick in the meaty submissions from our four-legged friends, but we sure could stand to hear from more human listeners. The two-leggers seem a lot less comfortable with putting love-life questions up for our team solutions. No need to be shy, folks. Four legs or two. We'll always sniff out a way for everyone to find that healthy place to be close with loved ones. 
Today, we'll start with a letter from Bitchy in Befuddled Brisbane. Bitchy writes, Dear Zooey, my human friend and I just started getting serious. We've been mostly just dating, except for maybe a few days, every six months, for a few years. He's been just really a wonderful gentleman all the time. Kind and gentle, playful and handsome. To me, he's really a genuine stud, even if he's not a dog. And when I decided to share myself with him, he's never put a paw or foot down wrong with me. We plan up my times a long way out. He takes vacation at work. Oh, but he's not on vacation with me. I showed him how to put his tongue to good use, and he's just been the fastest and most passionate learner in that department. Let me tell you, he's a treasure, really he is. And when he's under me, pleasuring me, tasting me, that's a stud. Just a different kind of stud than the normal ones. I say it's not only about a gorgeous coat and dense ruff. He fills in with creativity and passion for all that stuff that he's just not got. But now that I've gone ahead and promoted him from just an unusually eager and orally talented romantic suitor to inside tie provider, I'm starting to realize, if we're being honest here, he's just not as well endowed as I'd hoped. And it's not just the short and skinny side of things, but it's... I'm not sure how to say this gently. It's that he doesn't have a knot. And honey, I'm not trying to say he's stuck with some GSD knot. That's not so much not. Not at all. <laughs> it's that there's nothing there, girl. Nothing. Just a shaft and then the danglers. And nothing in between. Even the most nothing to inflate GSD boy is looking like a Goodyear blip compared to my shafty, bald lover boy. Step over or step aside? We're not asking those questions here. There's nothing for that poor gentleman to step over and bless his heart, but he sure does do his best to go through all the other motions. In the thrust and push department, he's right up there in Roddy territory. That part, he's a stud stud, and there's nothing but top marks from this girl. But he's never going to give a girl the tie she needs, and she sure does need those deep, throbbing. Move those guts around new man in town, stretch your world until it's all stars and happy barks kind of ties. The ones that leave you pulled around and panting and sore, but in a sore so you want to howl the joy of the tie kind of sore. A girl needs that, and when she needs that, and he can't deliver, hmm, should I fake satisfaction? And won't he know just from the physics of it all that I'm not fully fulfilled? Am I setting us up for failure since he'll always know I'm dreaming of him with everything he's missing? And imagining what it would be like with us if his balloon wasn't stuck in thin banana mode. Is the truth what we need between us? Or is this one of those times where too much truth breaks the tie, as it were? I love him for everything he is. And there's so much more to a stud than a baseball knot in 30 minutes of a can barely breathe big boy inflation. I know that, and it's really true. Still, does that mean this passionate girl won't ever get to feel that full body satisfaction after a gut's deep tie? Well, what a passionate letter, bitchy and befuddled. Rest assured, you're not the only bitch who's written in with woes about their inevitably less endowed two-legged lovers. But bitchy, you touch on something very important with your question. Should you fake it? And the answer is a loud, resounding, absolutely not. Honesty is so important in relationships, and expressing your dissatisfaction is the only way to resolve your issue and avoid creating bitterness and resentment in your relationship. It's not easy, honey, and it's going to be awkward no matter how you ease him into the talk. But you love him, and girl, I can see his love for you in every sentence you write about that dear boy. You work past the awkward part because you've got a stud worth keeping in your personal at-home family pack. Luckily, bitchy, there are solutions to your problem. Intimate aids of all shapes and sizes are plentiful and right on point for the craving you feel. There's even plenty of variously sized canine-style wearables that you can take a look at and see if they all fit your own needs. Some come with the knot fully engorged and serve to add extra thickness and lengths to the entire shaft. Others have inflatable knots for a more natural tying experience. When you're experiencing the bliss of the knot, your paramour is stimulated by the inside of the toy. Still others provide a knot for the base of the shaft while leaving the head exposed for normal penetration, a sort of best of both worlds approach. In all cases, it's important for your human to purchase special lubricant for these occasions, as unlike regular canine cocks, these silicone supplements aren't slick from the start. Don't skimp on the lube. 
You'll want thick and silicon base for this kind of mutual pleasure. It's the difference between a sore ending for both of you and hours of escalating fun that leave you two lovers exhausted with pleasure. However, and this is important, toys aren't the solution for every couple, and sometimes lube and toys just don't work well with your bodies and how you engage with each other. Don't force the idea just because it's the in thing to do nowadays. Dragons may or may not be bad, but that doesn't mean your lady parts feel that rubbery monster push into the mix and react like it's a big, baseball-knotted, heavy-breathing stud. Keep an open mind, but let your body tell you what works and what just doesn't do the job. No shame in giving something a try and the two of you decide it's just not doing the job, honey. None at all. Let the YouTube young guns wow the world of their, with their exotic appendage adventures. For us world travel girls, sometimes bright green and flaccid just isn't going to make us sit up and howl with delight. No shame in loving the real thing, girl. Above all, honesty and communication are key. If you're faking it, he can't work on refining and upgrading his performance for you. Without your honest feedback, even when it's not all yips of orgasmic joy, he just can't fully pleasure you the way you deserve to be pleasured. That, my passionate friend, can only lead to dissatisfaction, and in the end, it can't but erode your relationship despite all you two have going for you. You'll find that path to contentment and mutual honesty, no question from us on that. It may take some work and some honest talk about the facts of nature when it comes to two-legged boys. They simply don't have the tools that the furry gentlemen take for granted, and nothing you say will change that. No excuse for dishonesty, dear lady. That's a challenge, and I know you can rise to it and be stronger as a couple for the hard work you put into finding that path forward, together and as a team. Thanks so much for your heartfelt inquiry, bitchy. We're nothing but confident in you two taking your pleasure to new heights, new levels of beauty. Don't ever doubt him, or yourself, or the two of you as a mated pair. Stick with it. You'll never be sorry for taking the honest way forward. We're just telling you what I know you already know, girl. Just confirming that truth in your heart. Go with that and never look back. Our next letter is from Smitten in SoCal. Smitten writes, Dear Zooey, For the longest time, I was going stir-crazy. It can be lonely being a showgirl, working for fish, spending your days swimming in circles. But a few months ago, I met this great guy, one of the trainers here, and we hit it right off immediately. I've been hinting for months that I wanted to pursue something deeper than your typical trainer-dolphin relationship, but he's a little thick, or maybe just reluctant. He finally got the message a couple of weeks ago, but time alone can be hard to come by. That's really not the issue though, it's the logistics of intimacy. I've always thought being suspended together deep under the water was super romantic, but I'm sensing he's not really into that idea. And then there's the matter of his skin-tight swimsuit that keeps his manly endowment pinned tightly to his belly. What's a girl to do? Don't they make those with holes or something? We click on so many levels, but I can't seem to communicate these basic desires in a way that breaks through to him on a... really, on a personal level. I know he has strong feelings for me, and I also know that he's a gentleman, and in being so attentive to my boundaries and right to choose whether physical intimacy is right for me, I actually think he's just ended up making himself unable to react to what we're both feeling in a natural and comfortable way. I love him for his caring and caution, that's really part of what makes him such a wonderful guy, but it's also making it so hard for us to let things evolve the way we both know they should. It's not in my nature to force the issue, or push him too hard and maybe make him feel I'm not respecting his wishes. Uh, of course, that's not me. But does that mean that we'll never get the chance to just be two people enjoying our opportunity to share more than just friendship? I simply won't let this opportunity slide past my fins without doing everything I can to let our closeness grow into what it wants to be. What should I do? Well, Smitten, it may be possible that your paramour is reading you loud and clear. But there are certain limitations that prevent him from being able to fully fulfill your desires. One thing immediately comes to mind that you may not have even thought of. One that's sort of obvious in hindsight, but even for an intellect like yours, just might not have really risen to the top of the mind. Though they're also mammals, humans can't hold their breath underwater the same way dolphins can. He probably does his best to cover for this limitation, and you might not have really noticed just how crippling that limitation is. It's like his ability to see. He can't see like you. He's always seeing strange, inaccurate half-snapshots of pieces of you the world. I know he covers for this handicap pretty well, and because of your caring for him, you likely really don't grasp just how crippled he is when it comes to vision and spatial awareness. 
but that might also be part of his hesitancy to be really intimate with you. Moving in free space underwater is, for him, a hall of mirrors. Hardly helpful when it comes to comfortable intimacy for anyone. And the same goes for the simple ability to retain breath underwater. A minute or two for him is going to be the baseline. Maybe a bit more, but not if he's active, and loves an active pastime. Again, he's worked hard to overcome those limits of his, to present a less crippled picture to you. He cares for you, and of course, he doesn't want to seem weak and limited in your presence. What's also natural is that, in caring for him, you really don't dwell on those limits. That's a beautiful thing for both of you, but it's putting some unintended blocks in the way of your connection. But honey, that's not a concrete wall too high to jump. Really, it could be as simple as working with him in shallower play space, giving him less intimidation from a complex environment as he eases into a closer physical space with you. And you can help work around his human limits by making unnaturally frequent surfacings seem like a normal act for you. Don't force him to ask you to break off just because he can't manage his breath like a normal marine mammal. Guide him up. Let him refill his limited lungs. And in time, I think he'll feel at ease enough to forget his handicaps, even if just for a short while, and partake in a physical love with you that's not held back by his shortcomings. I know you can do it. We're not experts in marine to land mammal cross-species interaction, so we reached out to a dear friend of the show who is also a dolphin lover. Our expert suggested floating perpendicular to your human partner while he stands upright in shallow water. Or, for a more intimate position, floating on your back whilst he straddles you, still standing upright. This may provide more leverage for the pair of you to enjoy one another together. And, if we can take a page from Bitchy's book above, never doubt the power of a human's penchant for oral sex. Penetration isn't everything, and I guarantee your two-legged lover will get as much out of your enjoyment of his tongue as you get out of him. It's not conventional dolphin sex, and if that's all you want, you'll just have to stick with the dolphin fellas. But Smitten, I think we all know that's not where you're at. So embrace the chance to step beyond the standard playbook, and I know your gentleman friend will swim with you into all sorts of wonderful ways to be closer than ever. As for the wetsuit, we're not familiar with any bodysuits that offer specially placed holes for convenient sex with dolphins. I suggest that if your human boyfriend is in his wetsuit, he may be communicating that it's not a good time for sex, without so many words. Even if his body might be straining against those limits, and hard as hard gets, that means he feels that special lust for you, and for the beauty of who you are, but that he's also a responsible man and he's not going to put you in an awkward spot by letting his lust run rampant over good decisions and wise choices. Remember, he's got pressures and problems up there on the dry flatlands. Even if they're hard for you to take seriously, they're real enough for him. And part of loving him is trusting him to balance those pressures just like you balance those in your world on his behalf. Trust me, girl, that when the stars align and it's all fireworks and warm currents, there won't be anything between the two of you to keep you from consummating your relationship. Through it all, remember that communication is a two-way street. Listen to his needs the same way you expect him to listen to yours. Humans often communicate via body language and with other implicit cues, and picking up on that is important. He's limited, and his language doesn't have the nuance you take for granted. The more you can keep that in mind, the less his limits will trip up what the two of you share. Just think of him not as effectively disabled, but instead as fully able in different and challenging ways. You've got all the tools to fill in for where he can't quite keep up. Be generous with your gifts, and he'll more than make up for it in his passion and true caring for you. We're so glad to hear you found a cure for the loneliness of show business, Mitten. Be patient with one another, and I'm sure you'll spend many happy years together. We think you two are close to that big breakthrough, and we sure hope our advice helps ease those final tight squeezes between you and open waters. Treasure what you found together. Take the time to let it flower, and those years are yours for the taking. You're more than smart enough to fill in for his weak spots, and together the two of you are more than each separate. Let that strength guide your closeness, and it will find a way to develop into everything you've ever dreamed of. Friends, that's all the time we have this week. Next episode, when the moon is at her fullest, we'll have more stories from the front lines of cross-species love, and we'll be right here, helping smooth out those little rough bits that come from cooking with complex ingredients. But remember, the best dishes come out of a mix of all sorts of different flavors. It takes some creativity, plenty of honesty, and a whole lot of mutual caring. But we see it in every episode. The result is passion and love that's unmatched in this hard world we call home. Never skimp on the love, dear friends. 
Never settle for half-baked when the full meal is right there to be celebrated. We'll help you get there. While you help us, share your real-life stories with everyone out there walking the path of true love. We'll see you next time. Same zoo time, same zoo channel. Thanks, friends, for listening to Zooer Than Thou. You can subscribe to the podcast via our RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf, and off you go. Our podcast website is, yep, zoo.wtf. Twitter, Zooer Than Thou. And you can follow Zooey's Naughty Advice directly at AskZooey on Twitter. A reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can ask Zuri the best way to woo a goat, tell Fausty his voice sucks, or send us ASCII art of a horse's butt. You can contact me, co-host Fausty, directly through my website, Fausty.org, or by looking in the mirror and repeating three times, Fausty, Fausty, Fausty. It actually works. Try it. Zooier Than Thou isn't trademarked, and you can share it with anyone you want. Think PS4, not Xbox One. All non-humans who helped make this podcast happen definitely had the consent of their human partners. We actually got those consent forms signed in triplicate. Rottweiler studs tend to have incredibly long ties, up to an hour. Plan accordingly. Be nice to each other. <laughs> it's the sexiest, zooiest thing you can do. Stay defiant, fellow zoos.